All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast. It's Wednesday. It's November 11th. I'm Doug Norrie, and over there is James Davis. We're coming at you with Week 10 cash game picks. I do think we're kind of walking into this week. You know, sort of reminds me of Week 8, maybe, where or Week 7, where on Wednesday there's probably enough uncertainty to have to have us do a couple if this then that um, on the podcast today, just because. We do have some injury stuff. We got some COVID stuff. I, you know, I, I actually kind of gave up trying to keep track of the COVID stuff yesterday. Um, What's COVID? And that rings a bell. Yeah, it's this thing. I'll tell you off air. It's kind of a big deal. The, um, but it, oh, cool. yeah, but it's kind of too much to explain. It does have an impact. Uh, it does have an impact on some of these games though, because, uh, yeah, okay. So there's 56 new cases in November, but I. Pretty sure, like the Steelers are dealing with COVID stuff. I believe the Eagles are too. Like I said, it was it came in too much. I, I couldn't even keep track. Do you have an idea of where this was going? Yeah, they they have a staff member. Um, do you do you have a real quick off the top of your head? Don't no. worry if you don't. Okay, I think that I, I think the two I teams no in I think the two teams possibly in doubt right now are the Eagles and Steelers. We'll have to wait and see. I'm gonna op- we're gonna operate this podcast as if uh, those teams those games are just going to play though so um and we'll we'll update our cash game article uh, as we go along but how we feel and walk into this week because i do feel like um, when i look at calculating lineups i can early on i can already tell that there's going to be some pieces moving around here yeah i feel fine i think um things are going to have to move around but i just don't think that's the end of the world so right now our lineups are look respectable if nothing were to change and if we do get some news like the biggest of which potentially could be like McCaffrey. I'm sure we're going to talk about him momentarily, but if that were to change and he winds up sitting, like there are a lot of things that can happen that make lineup construction pretty easy. If none of them happen, then things get a little bit interesting, but I think we'll get something that will, that will trigger it for us and, and we'll basically just be fine. So yeah, we'll, we'll break down some of those scenarios today. It's not going to be comprehensive. You'll probably have to wait for the game by game podcast tomorrow to get all of that, but you can get a general sense of where we're headed for cash so far. I do think quarterback is pretty much uh, is an easy one this week because we get Kyler Murray. I led the I, I, we get I, excuse me I led the the article with Kyler Murray, and it feels like this is going to probably be the chalk. Famous last words on stuff like this, but um, he gets a great matchup against Buffalo in terms of just allowing other you know opponents points per game. The other quarterbacks here, I mean, maybe you want to make the case for Josh Allen going the other way, but Murray has just been so much better from a fantasy perspective. He's the number one fantasy quarterback per game this season on DraftKings, and I think he's second on Vandal just because, like, the scoring bonus. I think it just has only had to do with, like, the 300-yard scoring bonuses. I think or, and that's the probably the only difference between uh, him and then the next guy down, which is Russ. But, um, I mean, in terms of Kyler, he just gives you so much on the ground that it's even it actually just makes up for the fact that he's just not all that efficient at times like the passing isn't he's not the most efficient passer in the world but he just runs for so many yards that I, that this is it, the floor is just so so high on a week to week basis do you see a reason to kind of get away from him here i'm going to bring as you as you give the answer i'm going to bring up some of his other numbers but um you know where are you with kyler here not really like kyler i mean obviously you always have to compare him to the other options that we have available to us. Um, I don't think you want to play Russ against the Rams for $100 more on FanDuel. Uh, you got Allen at $100 less, and you know he's coming off a huge week where he was a chalk option on FanDuel, but you know he scored five and a half fewer fantasy points a game than, than Murray. Yeah. Arizona's defense is higher rated than Buffalo's defense. Like There's just no reason to do that, right? I, I think 
there is some an argument to be made if you really need the money for some of these slightly cheaper guys like Rodgers or Watson. But I think right now, Murray's definitely the leader in my clubhouse. Yeah, so he's averaging, yeah, you said five and a half more fantasy points per game. The rushing yards, he's a t- he's top 10 rush. This is Murray. He's top 10 rushing just on the season. Like, you know, he's obviously the highest quarterback, but he's also just. <laughs> including running backs. Yeah, yeah. So, well, right. I'm, right. I'm including running backs in that number. Like, he's, the rushing yards are just through the roof. And, you know, and that's one of those things that just gives him so much touchdown equity in a way that kind of like strips it away from their, you know, their own teams running back at times because he just is sort of the down and close option. And it makes sense. Like, why not just have why not just have the best guy continue to keep the ball in his hands, you know, reduce the amount of risk around, you know, dropping the ball or losing it when you, if, by handing it off, by just having Kyler take it in. So it, it kind of seems pretty obvious to me. The price doesn't get totally crazy. Yeah. Right. So Kyler has 543 uh, rushing yards. Lamar is be it's like 70 yards behind him. And then basically no one was, is within 220 rushing yards of him this season. And the eight rushing touchdowns are, you know, easily tied for the most with, with Cam, it's him and Cam and then a pretty dr- big drop off to Josh Allen. So you're just getting so much on the ground. I know, again, and actually, and I call them inefficient, but 68% completion percentage is pretty good. They just, he just doesn't have the same amount of attempts as some of these other guys, but it's because he runs so much. So this is a long story. Mm-hmm. Long story short is that um, I think he is the definitive option here. I am wondering your opinion, though, because I did write up Aaron Rodgers. And Rodgers, the case for Rodgers here is that the, the matchup is amazing. Uh, against Jacksonville, who continues to just be absolutely terrible, allowing you know, points through the air and just allowing uh, opposing offenses to just air it out. And they rank 32nd in DVOA against the pass, and it's not even particularly close. Like, they're just really, really, really bad. Do you think yep. you see people pivot into Rodgers this week because of the matchup? I, 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 I mean, I kind of know what you're going to say here, but what do you think about him as, as, <laughs> as, as a pivot here? Yeah, I think some people will. And this is always one of the trickiest things to evaluate in DFS, which is when does a better matchup trump better individual talent, right? And this is just what makes DFS hard because doing this with the eyeball test or with your gut feeling or whatever is extremely bad. And I'll just trust the numbers and I'll trust our system, right? Because our system is equipped with the tools to handle this on a numbers level. <laughs> and if it's given us Murray, I'm going to go with Murray. If it gives us Rogers, I'll go with Rogers. Uh, right now, Murray is significant. The Murray lineups are significantly ahead and I'll lean into this. Yeah. So the case for Rogers here obviously is the matchup. He's also been um, just unbelievably efficient, especially when he has Devonte Adams in the lineup, like the last three games where Adams is around, he's completing 70% of the passes. He's thrown like 11 touchdowns to zero interceptions on the season. He's been, he's 24 to two uh, touchdowns to interceptions, which is easily, well, actually, and I was gonna say it was easily the best, but Mahomes is 25 to one. So he's second in terms of touchdown to interception efficiency. Hasn't had uh, as many attempts, but that's because they sometimes haven't needed to because they just are, are able to do it on the ground. What would you say? Do you think some people, well, I don't, you know, I'm going to, let me not bury the lead here with cash game construction. So I'll, I'll move away from Rogers here uh, in a second, but I do think you'll see some, uh, you'll see some people pivot. I, it's just not going to be where we go because the rushing yards just aren't there and you just need so much to happen through the air. It's just riskier is more, is, is more of the problem with Rogers, right? It's like, yeah, he's great. Right. He's a hall of famer. We get it. He's having a good, very, he's having an excellent season. And just in terms of overall, safety when it comes to this it's just too hard okay so I'll, I'll give you a number here right uh the coefficient of variation for kyler murray this season is and by the way the lower the number the better on this because it just means you're more stable uh, across your just performances week to week is 0.17 
which uh, is just extremely low. And Rogers is nearly double that at 0.33. So yeah, and so and so critics would look at that and they would say, okay, well, if you throw out the Tampa Bay game, like if you want to look at Rogers in good matchups, let's say, because I think context matters with these quarterbacks, they're going to point out that his lowest game other than that was 19 fantasy points. And every other game besides the 19 was 23 or more, right? So Rogers has been super, super consistent. And I don't think consistency is a knock against him in good matchups. Like, I think he's going to be per- – he has no interceptions in any game outside of that Tampa Bay game, right? So he, he really is a picture of consistency uh, outside of that game. I just think it's, you know, the, the, it's a long – a long way to circle around. Marie just gets more fantasy points a game, right? <laughs> it's right. just like it's really, really tough to make up six and a half fantasy points a game in just your matchup. Like that just doesn't really happen. So, are you know? And there's salary considerations. I get it, but I just don't see that any matchup being worth six and a half fantasy points. The only other guy I threw out here, and it was sort of begrudgingly because we have uh, just a, a, an agreement that we're going to write up basically three guys at least, or let's make like you know mm-hmm. little cases for a bunch of different guys. I, I went way cheaper as a pivot, and I did write up Daniel Jones on DraftKings. Cool. Oh, uh, only on DraftKings. Um, he's where he's QB eighteen out of twenty two this week, so he's very very cheap, and his deal is sort of like this. Okay, take this with the spirits intended. Kyler Murray light in that. He runs a ton too. Like he, Jones ranks third overall in rushing yards uh, this season. Would rank even higher probably. Well, he wouldn't have made it up, but this, when he stumbled and fell at the twenty yard line on that uh, on that run a few weeks ago, yeah, he probably should have added twenty more, pl- and that should have been his only rushing touchdown of the season. Uh, but it, he didn't get there. It's mostly just that I think he has actually a pretty high floor because he makes up for the in a, the the deficiencies through the air by. Just he does get out on the ground. 320 rushing yards on the season is third only to Kyler and Lamar. Uh, the matchup against the Eagles is just kind of fine, and it's mostly just that he's bottom of the barrel pricing uh, on DraftKings. And on, in a week where you could say to yourself, "Hey, I'm going to need to probably spend up in some spots here, like running back, like if McCaffrey plays, I, I might have to go there." You know, Devontae Adams looks pretty GD great <laughs> in this matchup. So that now so anyway, that's mostly just a DraftKings thing. I'm not going to have you weigh in and try to make a case for him because I know it doesn't look. I know it doesn't look. It doesn't. <laughs> yeah, look I'm looking good. at it. I was. <laughs> I'm trying. Yeah, just uh, it's again where the numbers come in, right? If the if the numbers look and it's a boring answer, but you know sometimes boring is true. If the numbers say that we can get better value at other positions, and I think on DraftKings too, you can get away with cheaper quarterback because. The safety. So the reason we like to pay up a quarterback for cash games, and that most people do, is because generally quarterbacks have the lowest coefficient of variation, right? Yep. Like that's so we get those points sort of locked in. We don't need to shoot the moon, risking a five point game. The same you might with the same way you might with a running back, but on DraftKings, the best scope position players, their floor gets raised by the full PPR, right? So you know someone like Devontae Adams is going to be a lot safer on DraftKings than he would be on FanDuel, and that allows you to kind of flirt with these cheap guys at quarterback. I can't say I would feel great about it, but like I think a lot of Jones's perceived like rushing value, for instance, is wrapped up in a few big runs. But the fact that he has that in him is obviously pretty encouraging. So I guess we'll see. I'm going to hope to not see that name in cash now. That run for him was the second fastest uh, miles per hour run of the season after Raheem Mostert. Um, not just quarterback run. Like that was, he was the second. Really? Yeah, second fast. I mean, the only, the thing is like, 
the the, the pool of these numbers these numbers are yeah you, might, it's only, you can only get there when you get out in space right exactly so. like you need to you need to have like an 80 yard run because it's the only time you can just kind of gear up for as much thing although i would lo- i would love to see what DJ, dk metcalf hit when he uh when he chased down uh oh yeah buddha baker uh well, that, that was that was the fastest right because he was he was running like yeah so maybe it was the fastest off, maybe it was the fastest <laughs> offensive run but it was definitely I mean, right. whatever it is like jones is right up there with like one of the fastest runs uh, of the entire season all right, let's move on to running back. Give me what are we? Let's start by saying what are the news? Are we looking out for any injury news to start? Because running back is often where we want to try to find a punt play if we can. Is there news that we right now are sort of waiting on? Yeah, the short answer is every play at running back is contingent upon some sort of news right now. So, um, so get get ready to not get a lot of clarity here, but we can at least kind of paint some pictures and. You can go from there. So the first guy is Christian McCaffrey and or Mike Davis, depending on how the injury stuff goes. Uh, McCaffrey currently listed his day-to-day after injuring his shoulder in the last drive of the Sunday game against the Chiefs. Right now, he's, I think, trying to practice, but it's kind of like the, nobody really knows what's going to happen. I, I've heard the phrase very much in doubt be applied to his status. If he were to sit, Mike Davis becomes the easiest play of the season at 5400 like we instantly just get a $2,000 discount on a guy who was in cash game consideration prior to that. Tampa Bay, obviously a very tough matchup, but I still think you can consider Davis at a really cheap price point. And if McCaffrey plays, if he's just fine, our system is kind of leaning towards just running him out there, right? 28 yeah. touches last week, including 10 targets. It is a little bit weird though, right? Like he's not only had specific trouble with this exact defense last year, but Tampa Bay's been fantastic again this year and kind of bottled him up in their previous meeting, right? Like he met them once already this season. He got in the end zone twice, but he had, what is this, 88 total yards on 23 touches. So it's not like he bulldozed them the last time they faced off. Would you be comfortable playing McCaffrey at 9,700 if he were to be out there? No, not really. I, like Now, I will say that last week we went into the week and it was kind of like, oh, um, Oh, Mike Davis and McCaffrey are going to split split touches or split series, and that just ended up being that went right, right out the window, like almost right away when they kept in, when they stayed in the game, and McCaffrey was looking every bit healthy. So that's encouraging. This defense is it's much much better than KC's. They're basically the not top ranked defense in the league. I'm top to first or second, depending on what, what metric you want to use. I would not feel all that comfortable about it, but the problem is I don't feel all that comfortable with anyone else further down the line either, right? Like I like there's I think there's problems at, at running back basically no matter which way you slice it here. So I mm-hmm. I'm not I it, this is a, a, a you know a convoluted and stumbling way to say I don't feel good about it, and I'm not sure who I'm supposed to feel good about either, right? Like I because I we'll go down this list. There's a like you said. There's a problem with every play here, uh, and and sometimes there's problems not even that aren't going to be resolved. Some will be resolved by like you know if a guy doesn't play, then we can feel a little more comfortable about certain other guys, but some don't have that in them at all. So I I don't know. This is I'm stumbling here, but I I know I don't sure. I don't I don't want to run McCaffrey. I will say the one thing that gives me that unlike any other running back, and is that yes he got bottled up. McCaffrey is just going to be on the field getting the ball, or at least the attempt to get him the ball, no matter what the situation is, if he's healthy. And that's correct. You can say that. That's you can't say that about any other running back, I don't think. And so, 
that's the only thing where the floor is just incredibly high and I'm not a fan of the matchup. It ought to be pretty damn high for nearly $10,000. Well, that's that's so, where I'm like, oh my God, um, we're going to run $10,000 running back into the best defense in football? Yeah, and- so, the, so the issue here is that there's just not many good plays, right? So at least right now with the news that we have so far. So last week, um, another guy that, that saw incredible chalk ownership was Chase Edmonds. Uh, right now, Kenyon Drake, good play. Uh, you know, we just don't know for sure. Once we get definitive news, like if Drake plays, obviously you just rule out the whole Arizona running game. If he were to sit, I think Edmonds is basically an automatic play. He was yes. the highest owned running back last week. He didn't actually perform in terms of raw output, but the opportunity was absurd. He touched the ball 28 times in a game that, frankly, you wouldn't you would have forgiven the Cardinals for giving him the ball less, right? With <laughs> right. how the, the game wound up playing out. So the fact that that's what we're seeing from him right now is very encouraging. We know that he's capable of more through the air as well. It didn't totally come together last game, but um, whatever the raw output is, I'm going to say, I'm just going to give him a pass on that, especially in a week where there's no clarity. But once again, you're just going to have to wait and see. We just know next to nothing. Uh, And then there's a few other situations almost exactly like this, right? So you got Kareem Hunt, who would be a great play if Nick Chubb weren't to come back, but Chubb is supposedly looking pretty good in practice. So it seems like a full-on wait and see at this point. It seems like the Browns don't have a lot of incentive to race him back in a game they should win against Houston, but you just never know. Teams are like he could just be fully healthy. Like we we just we just don't know, right? So, um, so I don't think there's really much to say about that one either. And then the Houston situation I think is actually pretty interesting. So last week we wound up playing David Johnson. We lost him to a concussion almost immediately. Duke Johnson comes and fills in. Duke Johnson very cheap and would be the kind of guy who would enable some pretty nice lineups for us if we trusted him just to kind of roll up and get running back one duties. He touched the ball 20 times last game against Jacksonville. Wasn't like wildly effective, but once again, 20 touches on a $5,800 salary is pretty much all you need. Break this down for me. So I'd say we play Duke Johnson if David Johnson were to sit, but do we play David Johnson if he comes back? We don't. Okay, because he's very cheap too. He's 6,300. No, I can't do that. Uh, Duke did enough, I think, here to say that David Johnson probably doesn't deserve like every down back kind of stuff going forward. I, it doesn't look like he's – I think the concu- I, he's not cleared yet from a concussion, and every day that passes with this, mm-hmm. it looks worse and worse. I'd have no problem playing Duke here as even as an underdog, played every snap basically. Uh, so even if they were falling behind in this game, I think he's on the field. I, I feel pretty comfortable with that in terms of the price point. I don't want to have any part of the situation if, if David Johnson is back. And not for anything else, it's impossible if you're follow, if you're not watching this game and you're following along sort of online and you just see D Johnson getting the runs, just not knowing which D Johnson it is when you're looking at some of these tickers makes it, I mean, that that <laughs> alone that alone makes me not want to walk into the situation again because I didn't realize he had I didn't realize David had gone down with a concussion until like two series later because I wasn't watching that game and I was I, I was just heartbroken when I saw. <laughs> Or maybe it was like a full series later. And I was like, that's been Duke the whole time. That, that. And then it just threw something and cursed. Um, but now nah, I don't want to do, I don't want to do David Johnson. Yeah. So I think, I think you probably summed that up well. And the other situation too, that I think people are going to want to walk themselves maybe into an Aaron Jones at a minus 14 home favorite here, which is exactly where we want to be with a running back situation. But they're just going to get Jamal Williams back this week. Who's back off the COVID IR. Like he sat last week because of COVID. And so we've just seen them kind of like split snaps also in the best of times you have to go back a few weeks for when it happened because remember Aaron Jones sat out and then and all and then the last week Jamal Williams is out but if you go back to the last game they played together they basically split snaps and so in a game that could be a blowout you know what I mean like I was kind of 
I was kind of yeah. into Aaron Jones early, but then I'm like, all right, knowing that Williams is coming back off the COVID list, I think you kind of have to maybe begin ruling out that situation too. Get a little closer on DraftKings where Aaron Jones is cheap. But yeah, just across the board. Give me two thoughts. What about Miles Sanders coming back here? Um, hmm. Miles Sanders favored over the Giants. Maybe this is more for a game-by-game thing, but coming back here against the Giants looks healthy. They've been given, you know, there's been times where the Philly, when things are going right, they do want to give him the ball a lot. It's been a little weird with the injuries and stuff this season, but could you, could you trust a, a, a Miles Sanders thing or has it just kind of been too many weeks since we've seen it? Yeah, I mean, and it's not exactly cheap either. That's my other concern. At 7,700, like you're really looking for some serious reliability on that number. And it's really tough to know what the true opportunity for Miles Sanders should be, right? Because, you know, three tough matchups, Baltimore at Pittsburgh at San Francisco, where he didn't touch the ball very much and still kind of like did okay. And then he was a running back one against Cincinnati and the Rams to start off the season, right? So it's close, but I think there's just going to be a number of, of situations like this that we can highlight. Like, I think if you don't get one of those injury situations breaking the way you hope, you're going to be plugging someone in and going, oh, I don't know, you know, <laughs> like whether it's James Conner at an ever receding price point against Cincinnati, right? You can be like, hey, that should work. Well, it should have worked against Dallas last week. Yeah, he right? kind of didn't play um, a lot too. Like he had a weird game. Like I know like, this is, this is right, what I'm like, saying. Like it's, and this is every guy though. This, this is my point is that I can just keep naming running backs and you'd be like, oh, I don't know what was happening last week. Like uh, Josh Jacobs is another one, right? So <laughs> he touched the ball. 14 times last week and he was out carried by Devonte booker yeah. right so um or no i'm sorry he wasn't out carried he was out snapped yeah there was some there was something he was outed by booker oh it was just out out total number of yards so booker had 68 to his 65 but do you really want to pay 7500 for a guy whose backup got more than half of the carries that he did no of course not and so you just keep going down this list and eventually you're right there in the $6,000 running backs again, right? So I think this week kind of reminds me of sweating the election, Doug. This is a timely example where it's like, we don't need all of these states to go for us, right. but we could use two. And that's that's kind of how I'm looking at it now. Like in an ideal world, I think we get like, we get the opportunity to play Duke Johnson, maybe Mike Davis. Like that would be really fantastic. But even if we can run like a Kareem Hunt or something, I'll be satisfied. So this is just a situation you're going to have to monitor closely. You're going to want to check in for our injury article later in the week where this will be broken down more comprehensively. And, you know, sometimes in elections and in DFS, you just got to deal with uncertainty. Uh, this is a great apt example. Yeah, Wrap no, it all up, dude. Sign definitely. 538. I'm right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, I was going to say something, but I couldn't think of anything smart enough okay uh, so i would not be qual- i would not qualify for 538 the uh duke johnson and mike davis build is by far the best one i think that we could get and i'm not i don't root for injuries at all yeah. but if that were to be the case uh, no we're not rooting for injuries doug we're rooting against injuries we're rooting for healthy recoveries for these that's good cool. yeah like johnson davis plus edmonds in the flex <laughs> thing is actually looking Woo! pretty good, good little edmonds too sure let's go into uh wide receivers i mentioned Devonte adams at the top the numbers are just stone cold ridiculous this season. He uh, he's played fewer games than anybody <laughs> than else. He's easily the top uh, PPR wide receiver on the season per game. Like that one is really not is not even all that close. So he's he's got twenty nine. He's like he's actually just top 
let's see, he's top six overall PPR uh, this season, and he's going to probably end up passing some of these other guys. But the, uh, you know, you have to go really far down the wide receiver list to get someone to get even within seven points a game PPR on Devontae Adams. He's going to end up catching them just on raw numbers, even though he's going to have played three fewer games than any of these other guys, which is all to say, it's just ridiculous. They force feed him the ball. They should. He's open. No team seems to have a plan for what to do, even though they know he's going to get the ball. And now we're just asking ourselves, can we can we pay for it? And actually, he's the reason why when you start locking in these cheaper guys, you start feeling much better about the wide receiver situation because there's a there's a weird effect happening here when you're when you're kind of like you're doing this. It's like worst of both worlds. It's like ooh, you pay up for a questionable running back, and then you actually get a questionable wide receiver in that spot too. Exactly. <laughs> and I don't mean questionable hurt. I mean, questionable fantasy production. So where mm-hmm. the hope would be to go cheap here, Devonta Adams fits right into this because he's the guy you just, you kind of just want to lock in because he's just so freaking good. Yeah. I'm with you. I, I really don't like the mid range names this week. I've been very satisfied with them overall this season, like guys in the seven thousands and even high six thousands. I felt pretty good registering those on game day this week. I'm going to, I'm going to really want, Devontae Adams specifically and I think the biggest thing basically is just that he brings a level of floor to the table that you just don't really get at the position and when you can just show up and assume you've got 20 fantasy points banked on $9,500 salary at a wide receiver that's just a good running start and terrifying if you're off him and he's chalk like yeah I'm I'm right there with you and understanding that he should be good he's the most expensive guy but I'm really, really hoping we can pull the trigger on that. Yeah, so the other guys to consider, and I kind of, this was a little bit of a struggle this week. After after Adams, that case was easy. uh, And I wanted to get away from just writing up all the expensive guys. But I will say, even some of these expensive guys you have question marks about, like DeAndre Hopkins is coming off a week where he barely saw any targets. Mm -hmm. Michael Thomas, it's really, you know, kind of not been there and he's been injured this season. Uh, So these other guys, um, you know, the the Seattle situation, good luck figuring out who the guy that's going to get the ball that week is. Because every time you think it's going to be one guy, it's just the other guy between Metcalf and Lockett. It's pretty sort of remarkable how it's gone this way. Uh, so I don't think I want to do that. Plus they play the Rams and that's not a situation I probably want to walk into. So the other guys I was going to consider, I've thought about Stefan Diggs. The matchup is pretty good. I did walk it down to Cooper Cup. Now Cooper Cup had a 20 target game last time out. So mm-hmm. that one, I don't think we, I don't, yeah, I don't think we can pencil him for 20 targets. But I will say the Seattle matchup here is so choice in how much Seattle just lets it up. Like they're an absolute sieve on defense when it comes to just allowing opponent yards. Their their opponent plays per game, they're allowing almost 74 plays per game, which is to the opposing offenses, which is, uh, let's see, yeah, that's five more plays than the next closest team per game. Yeah, that's fine. So like other teams are just getting like a whole new set of downs more than the next closest team. I mean, they're getting, if you go up to the top of the list, it's, you know, they're 16 worse than the best team. So you're just getting, you know, full drives more each time. And I, and at that point, when I'm looking at the Rams, I'm thinking, okay, I can't really trust the running back situation, but cup is the leader here in targets. He is an efficient guy. I mean, is this a guy that you would feel comfortable with knowing that it's a price point lower? Yeah. I, I like Cooper cup. I think this is a great spot for him for all the reasons you outlined. Um, it's going to be like like a closer decision for me is picking between him and, say, Keenan Allen. Um, yep. They're basically the same price on FanDuel. I'm happy to play both, but I think if I was a gun in my head picking between those two, I'd probably just lean into Allen with a tougher matchup. Which is so He's just such a bigger guaranteed part of his team's offense that yep. I think I'd prefer him. But if I can play both, I'm happy with that. 
Yeah, Allen's another one that I kind of considered. Uh, the matchup for Allen is not amazing. Oh, no, I take that back. I wonder, actually, I wonder if we're a little low on him. i got to take a look at that. Uh, I'm going to go back and look at why he's not showing up here in, in, in when I was just listing out the top overall projected guys. I wonder if I just filter by salary. This is not something anyone needs to hear about on the podcast, so I'm going to have to go uh, look at why Keenan Allen isn't here. Uh, after these guys, I think you get into some kind of sketchy territory here. We can mm-hmm. kind of fly through these because we're going to end up going long. Uh, Terry McLaurin's kind of showing up high. I'm a little concerned with the Alex Smith situation here because Smith just chose to just throw to J.D. McKissick all game last week when he came in for Kyle Allen. And that's just been something that we've seen with Smith throughout his career that he's just not going to go. He's not going to air the ball out down the field. And when that's not going to happen, that is going to impact McLaurin because he's been he's benefited from guys that at least had arms. Right. (laughs) Like it's. um, And that's just and we saw game one. It was like, okay, J.D. McKissick is going to prefer wide receiver because he's just closer to he's standing closer to Alex Smith (laughs) than than Terry McLaurin is. And that I think that's going to be a problem. Robbie Anderson's a guy that's showing up here. Don't love running it into the Tampa Bay defense, but the target share is still elite for him. Right. Like his he's among the top target guys in the game. Um, but the defense is bad, uh, and then and then you have to after that you really start getting into some sketchy cheap territory. Like Brandon Cooks is kind of creeping around. I don't know any of these guys stand out to you before we move to tight ends. I, I think this is this is somewhat problematic this week uh, when it comes to when it comes to wide receiver. I could think about Robbie Anderson. Um, you know when they met with Tampa Bay earlier this season, Anderson caught nine of the ten targets thrown his way for 109 yards. So. If we believe that coaching staffs are sophisticated enough to figure out what's working and stick with it, the fact that that worked against a pretty tough Tampa Bay defense would be encouraging to me. So I think you can start him off with eight targets, at least in this game, and understand that there's probably upside for more. So, yeah, I I like that play, I think, more than some of the other ones you outlined there. But, you know, they're all kind of in the I-could-live-with-it territory and, you know, not especially exciting. So that's where we're at. Walk us through tight ends. I feel like tight end is the teeth pulling section of the podcast where yeah. we're, you know, just continuing to. I don't know if it gets any better this week. I very much doubt that it does. Um, you know, we have some of the, you know, the bigger names like Travis Kelsey uh, are on buys this week. And, and then after that, it gets yeah, Kittle's, Kittle's hurt. Yeah, Kittle's hurt. So yeah. it, gets, it gets a little bit weird. But uh, thoughts here on, on uh, tight end, or are we just in another week of, you know, we're just looking at the the cheap guys and hoping to just kind of luck box a touchdown out of it. Yeah, so I think we're actually pretty locked in on tight end, at least from where I'm sitting. And it starts for me with Evan Ingram. Uh, he's a guy that we played. I was really shocked to see relatively low ownership for him last week. Uh, he went out against Washington, had 10 targets once again. So now he's got 29 targets over the last three weeks. That leads the entire league for tight ends in terms of targets. Um, you know, the quarterback situation there is obviously not incredible. He doesn't have a huge conversion percentage, but he's definitely a part of red zone packages. He punched in the touchdown last week, and he's just bringing a level of floor, such as it is for this position, that you're just really not seeing from other guys in his price tier. And even, frankly, you go a tier up, and you're looking at guys that are pretty darn uncertain in their own, right? Like Darren Waller. Waller managed 10 targets last week, so the same number as Ingram. But Waller now has 50, 49 receiving yards over the last two games, right? So you're really going to play 1,400 more? Like, you're never, there's no world where you can convince me that Darren Waller is worth 1,400 more than Evan Ingram, right? So, uh, and then after that, you're basically just speculating on a few things going right for you. Uh, you could think about Jordan Reed, who had six targets last week, but only turned it into one catch uh, with Kittle hitting the IR there. You can think about TJ Hawkinson if Kenny Galladay's out again. Um, you know, maybe you can dream on a Gronk game. Uh, that's, you know, there's 
there's signs that a big Gronk game could be coming, right? But we haven't totally seen it yet. And then after that, you're throwing darts. So that's kind of my breakdown. I'm going to start with Evan Ingram unless there's some really, really good reason to play someone else. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And, I, and you know, from that point of view, I think that we're in at least a slightly better situation. Like last week, it was like a Noah Fant kind of thing. He was pretty chalk. We talked about him. We ended up fading, well, fading him. We ended up not playing him in favor of Ingram. Uh, Fant got hurt. And Wall- so Waller was, just... was the highest on tight end last week. Oh, was and... he really? I thought I could have sworn Fant was. No, yeah, and Waller was trash too. So um, at least on Fandle. Maybe he was on DraftKings. But um, yeah, Waller was like 53% owned or something crazy. Interesting. Okay, well, we're gonna get we're gonna go through more of this on the game by game breakdown for tomorrow uh, when we roll through all the games on the main slate. Plenty to talk about. We'll probably spend uh, Wednesday getting at least a little more clarity around the injury news that we can probably bring to you tomorrow. As always, rate and review the podcast um, wherever you listen to podcasts, and also go and sign up for our premium projection service over at dfsr.com. dfsr.com slash deals will get you started. Optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings NFL. PGA with the Masters about to tee off tomorrow, Thursday morning. Uh, so go check that out. And then NBA come back down the pike December 22nd. Season returns all covered under one subscription package. So go check that out. DFSR.com slash deals. But I'll talk to you tomorrow when we break down every game on the main slate for week 10. Let's get it.